This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, May 6, 2014. I'm Caleb Brown. The Supreme Court has again taken up religious tolerance in the public arena. Walter Olson, a senior fellow at the Cato Institute, argues that the court here is only arguing over a very narrow strip of ground, and the liberals on the court are moving to the middle. The court has been hearing cases about when prayer is okay at publicly sponsored events for years. And the case that uh, bore directly on this was one from the state of Nebraska uh, 30 years ago, I think, in which uh, they declared that, yes, Nebraska has a right to uh, have prayers before its legislative sessions. Very important to, at that time, everyone except Brennan and Marshall was that uh, it had always been done this way. It was done uh, at the time of the founders. There were um, invocations before legislative sessions. And the court distinguished and continues to distinguish that sort of case from high school graduations, for example, um, on a couple of grounds. One is that uh, kids are different because kids are more impressionable. Another is that uh, high school graduations are a captive audience. Uh, and at a legislative session, uh, any people who happen to be in the galleries can uh, leave or check their cell phones or whatever. Uh, and so they see legislative prayer as being something that is done for the benefit of the legislators themselves, who may or may not be inspired by it, but they're doing it in order to help themselves do a better job. All right. So this narrow strip of territory, uh, where we are now, what is the central argument? Town of Greece, uh, near Rochester in New York, had been bringing in uh, rotating pastors to give invocations. And the argument that the plaintiffs made was, uh, look, town councils are kind of different from state legislatures. Uh, uh, some people are there in almost a judicial capacity because they need a variance for their zoning or something. Um, if they don't rise and don't um, act reverent during the prayer, maybe someone on the town council will notice and will not treat them as well. Uh, there is a little bit more of a sense of compulsory participation, a little bit more of a captive audience, at least for a few people there. And they made this argument, and, and it was um, it was not without weight, but the way that at least seven of the nine justices came down, uh, although the rhetoric sometimes was sweeping, the actual difference between the two sides was not very great, because here, here's what happened. The uh, the plurality uh, led by Justice Anthony Kennedy, who is typically the swing vote on this and certainly was in this case, uh, the plurality said, uh, look, this too is customary. This too has been going on at town council meetings since the republic. Uh, but we do recognize that uh, there are a bunch of dangers. And so long as it goes on within constraints and uh, the rotation among different faith traditions was one of the important ones. Another one is that basically the prayer couldn't be too intimidating, couldn't be a damnational kind of prayer, for example, in which um, someone in the audience might feel singled out for reproach or something. And, and there were a couple of others too. So Kennedy's view was um, we are not going to mess with the custom, but we are going to make sure that the custom uh, operates in ways that we consider um, consistent with uh, the liberty interests and, and the uh, establishment of religion uh, interests. And I'll get in a moment to a bit more about Kennedy, but the dissent by the four liberals 
looked at the details and said, um, we agree there are dangers, but if you looked more carefully, you would realize that this particular town had gone over the line. Uh, and th- what was interesting, though, and I mentioned the narrow strip of land, is that none of the, the justices, uh, and there were four liberal dissenters, none of them went back to the old Brennan and Marshall position that there shouldn't be prayers, period. They all said they were were in favor of the Nebraska decision. They all said that they would be satisfied if the town had taken more care to be uh, truly non-sectarian, if it, if it had brought in clergy uh, and the prayers had been such that everyone could agree with. And so uh, they have moved toward the center compared with their liberal predecessors. And Kennedy, by the same token, and, and he was not joined um, in this by all of the justices. Uh, Scalia and Thomas had their own different rationale. But, but Kennedy, in this case, uh, represents where the, the middle of the court is. Uh, Kennedy had a principle of coercion, uh, which he carries over from some other religion cases, which is um, the simple display of piety, the simple um, uh, acknowledgement that some of the legislators uh, um, you know, feel a divine inspiration uh, as part of what drives them on, is not something that violates the Constitution as soon as you get any coercion. And that's why he looks at the different uh, elements that might uh, make someone feel intimidated in the audience. So you and I, who radiate piety, uh, are safe from uh, public displays of of such. It's interesting in a bunch of ways because um, neither side can offer tremendously uh, rock-solid logic. All of them uh, are deferring to what they see as history. Uh, you know, the, you hear these maxims about the uh, uh, the life of the law has not been uh, logic, it's been experience, or to go over to Hayek, um, this respect for custom in which if you uh, see that the custom is still alive, as it very much is in small-town America, especially where in- invocations are uh, have been going on all along, if you see the custom, the um, the court should give it weight until we understand why it has had such longevity and why it's so important to people. And this was clearly a case where um, all of the justices um, wanted to um, feel respectful in that way. And Kennedy in particular, you could tell, I think, from some of his rhetoric uh, that Kennedy was adopting a kind of practical uh, split the difference outcome in order to uh, dampen the, the culture wars rather than uh, inflame them. Uh, it was, you know, sometimes judges behave like uh, Samuel Johnson's housekeeper who was uh, blind and the way she poured the tea was to put her finger inside the cup. Um, and uh, <coughs> Kennedy, in this case, I'm not sure he could give you good logic, but he's putting his finger inside the cup saying, okay, you can fill it up this far and you won't make the culture war worse. You talk about two flavors of cases here, which are establishment and free exercise cases. And these types of arguments uh, that liberals and conservatives tend to use have a certain flavor. <laughs> yeah. They, they flip in an interesting way because this term is going to be notable for the Hobby Lobby case in which uh, when you think about it, the liberals and conservatives or at least many of them will be tempted to flip to the opposite side of concerns from the ones that they showed in the Purr case, the town of Greece case. And let me explain. Um, 
In the prayer case, it was the liberals who were very sensitive toward religious minorities, um, even if a majority uh, finds something very positive and desirable about the practice, they worry, uh, what about the person who uh, feels that it's violating their conscience, feels that they are being um, made aware of being outsiders? And the majority at the same time was saying, look, you don't uh, wipe out uh, people's ability to do things together. Uh, you, You try to provide only reasonable but not total accommodation. And when the Hobby Lobby case comes up, you can predict that some of them might very well flip, and it will at that point be the conservative justices who are concerned about the conscience rights of minority believers and some of the liberal justices who may uh, see the case for, look, you can't allow uh, small conscience minorities to impede um, something that the whole community really wants. Walter Olson is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.